Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, in honor of our spooky Halloween month, Denise and I thought we could do a show on paranormal definitions and talking about how empaths in particular tend to be more susceptible to paranormal activity than the average person. So we thought we'd spend this hour going through some terms with you all so that everybody can get a sense of what's the difference between a ghost, an earthbound, a poltergeist, a shadow person? Why are empaths more susceptible to this? And what can we do to protect ourselves as sensitive people from experiencing or seeing anything negative? So if you have time, take out a pen and paper. You might want to take some notes because we've got lots of good information to share with you. Denise, do you think as an empath that you have been more susceptible to paranormal activity throughout your life? Very much so. And I think when you're first developing or waking up or or coming to terms that you are that sensitive and that you're not making it up in your head, it can feel very, very overwhelming and scary. Just, yes. I think, as a highly sensitive person, if you're sensing things, feeling things, experiencing things that just can be either abrupt or just show up or... And I think, again, for a lot of parents that have um, children that are experiencing these things, some of the things we'll talk about today might help them with give them some tools for their children as well. Definitely. It, you know, it's funny you just mentioned the parent. I had, a, I had a mom call me just yesterday, and she said, I'm really nervous. My daughter keeps seeing this white shadow in her room, and it's really scaring her. And so I asked her a couple of questions to rule out negative stuff, and, and Denise and I will go over that in a little bit. And I said, I don't think you have a haunted house. I think you have a very psychic little girl. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what does that mean? And the way I described it to her, I said, I knew she was Catholic like I am. So I said, you know all those those paintings of saints where they have like the little flame over their head? And she said, yeah. I said, well, we all have that little flame over our head. We all have a light that we shine up and out into the world. But the intuitive empath, our light is a lot brighter. And I don't mean that like my light is better than your light. I, <laughs> I just mean because we are so in tune with the unseen world, our light tends to shine a little brighter because we aren't super attached to this earthly realm. It's almost like we have a foot in both worlds, not literally, but metaphorically. And so our light just shines up even brighter. when. When people die, what I have been told by people who have died is that the light appears around them for about three days. And I've heard different things. Some spirits have said it was with them until they were ready to pass. Most have said it it started to fade three days after their funeral. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear different things. But the light, when you die, the light is there. And it it just doesn't stay there forever. And sometimes people don't go through that light right away for lots of reasons. They might be uh, wanting to make sure that their loved ones are going to be okay before they leave and go through the light. They might have unfinished business if they died tragically or at the hands of someone else. 
Or I'll share a story later on about a little nosy ghost I had to cross over who didn't want to go through the light because she loved being able to eavesdrop on everybody. <laughs> so there's, there's lots of reasons why they might not go through the light. And then it dims and fades and goes away and boom, they're stuck. They're an earthbound. They're a ghost. They know they need that light. And so they start to look for it. And that is usually when kids especially, but also empaths and empathic mediums will see ghosts because they're drawn to the light and they know that's what the word medium means. It means we are a medium, a connection between this side and the other. So our light shines so brightly because we can make that connection. It doesn't mean you have to. You know, if, if anyone chooses to do this work, you would, you would be called a rescue medium or you're rescuing these earthbounds. But they're going to these bright lights for help. And kids, by the nature of being children, have the brightest lights of all. Mm -hmm. So they tend to see ghosts, you know, more so than the average person. So one of the things I do want to talk about in this hour is just why does that happen? You know, that's a question I get a lot. Why did I see so much stuff growing up? Or um, why do I sometimes see this and sometimes don't? It's, to me, in my experience, it's all connected to your, your light, and that's what they're attracted to. And I'd like to add in that if you don't physically see things, but you sense it, or you, uh, you go to bed, but then you wake up and you just feel like there's someone in the room, or you feel like there's someone when you are walking towards your house or going to your car, and there's no one physically there, but you can sense it. I think that's equally uh, the same. It's, it's the same. And you're still picking up on the on that spirit energy. Or um, what is it that they... The, the calling spirits that they'll call your name or you'll hear it clear audiently because that all of this, it's the same connection as working as a medium or as an intuitive. You're still going to use your clairs to make this connection. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's hardest to trust the clairsentience, the, the feeling, the sensing of an energy in the home. I think it's hardest because we are trained to, you know, seeing is believing, trust what you see with your own eyes. But that clairsentience, I'm telling you, that feeling will never lead you astray if you uh -huh. learn to tune into it and trust it. So thank you for adding that because that is so, so important. Um, I wanted to talk about also something to do with ghosts. So ghosts, as I said, are earthbound. They have chosen not to go through the light. And sometimes they choose to stay here and, and never go through the light. But I want everyone to know that there are helpers constantly working with them who are encouraging them to seek the light and, and cross over. And so most do. Earthbounds don't stay stuck forever. Um, they don't stay stuck for, for very long if they don't have to at all. It's, it's free will. And so it's very often a choice. The reason why I always say do not allow a ghost to stay in your home. Haven't you heard clients from these who will say, oh, yes, we have Sarah. She's been in our home for years. She's lovely. Mm -hmm. She watches out for us. And, I, you know, that may be true. She may be a lovely ghost or he may be a gentle ghost who just likes to stay in her attic for some reason. But I don't think that it's ever a good idea to allow a ghost to stay. 
and here's here's where I come from that thinking and you tell me what you think Denise okay the way I look at it is we get our energy from eating drinking and sleeping when we die and we go through the light we get our energy from the light from from God's love and that light that beautiful energy if we choose not to go through that light we are what I call an outlier we don't belong on the earth anymore and we're not choosing to go to the other side. So where do we get our energy from at that point? We don't have a body and we don't have the light. So where are we going to get our energy? Well, we're going to get it from people. And how does that manifest for the person living in a haunted home? Well, I don't think it manifests in very good ways at all because a ghost, and if anyone's listening to this going on, I don't know about that. Think about those, those homes that are haunted and then the person moves out and there's no activity. And maybe the property manager is like, yeah, nothing ever happens. And then somebody buys the house and they bring in a contracting crew to renovate it. And that crew starts talking about weird stuff happening. Hammers go missing or lights flash on and off. Well, the ghost now has energy to feed off of because there's people in the home again. And so the ghost has come out of like a sleep state. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I, I think it's very interesting. And what I was thinking about as you were speaking was that, and I haven't thought about this in years and years and years. I grew up in a very old home in New England. I'm one of the oldest cities in New England. I mean, the town I grew up in is from the 1600s. I mean, we're going back a ways. You can find graves in, in the area that are from the 1600s. So it's, it's just, it, we're talking old energy in that area. And so my house that I grew up in was from the 1800s and there was, there were always weird noises and you'd hear people walking around up in the attic and my father and my mother both would both joke and say, Oh, that's just Carrie. And when they had bought the house as a young couple, there were two elderly sisters who had lived in the house for years and years and years and years, like probably 50 years they'd lived in the house. And so we'd hear people walking, we'd hear noises, we'd hear things on the stairs and they'd just joke and say, Oh, that's just Carrie. And, and I always, and they use the last name, but I don't want to, to, you know, for privacy and respect, I don't want to give that name. But uh, I think that I never, ever thought about it, that that was draining the energy or causing discord. So I think a lot of folks, when they say we have a friendly ghost, it's just such a natural part of, of your world. You don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. So the way you describe it, it makes sense with, you know, was that some of the discord? Was that some of the, the, uh, the energy differences that we felt or, because it does become normal. It just, especially as a sensitive person, and if it's not a scary thing. And the other thing was sometimes you'd hear really bizarre things and it would be just, oh, that's the house settling because mm-hmm. old houses mm-hmm. settle. And in retrospect, the damn house wasn't settling. <laughs> right, right. And I don't mean to disparage ghosts or say that they're awful beings for taking our energy. I don't think they do it on purpose. But it's, it's, I think some of them do, but it's how they exist. And I think sometimes exactly what you said, there's a curiosity. There's, and and I've shared this before on the show of the house that I'm in now, there's an older man connected with this property that only shows up if I start painting or doing renovations or, and he'll just show up and he, he feels very gruff and kind of not, not angry, but like, what are you doing to my house? Kind of a feeling. 
And I always just say, oh, hey, and I keep doing what I'm doing and I tell him what I'm doing. And he's never, he doesn't hang around or cause any, but he'll just flash in when I'm making changes to the house. So I think that sometimes that can happen as well. It's not constant. It's not scary. It's not, it's just like, oh, you know, it's weird as hell. One of the books just moved on the shelf by itself. You cannot make this shit up. Okay, oh anyway, honest to God, I'm not, wow. Ooh, that gave me the willies. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> so anyway, yes, I love what, you know, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I love what you're saying about, um, you know, that they do need your energy because that ties in with, you know, like the shadow people thing. And a lot of folks that I've been talking to lately have been seeing like those flashes, that peripheral vision, that stuff out of the corner of their eye. And it, it's very like a quick flash. Right. You know, and, and I think from, from the little bit of research I did, those shadows, there's so much information. And if anyone is really into looking into that, there's a website, uh, shadowpeople.com that I kind of briefly look through and there's stories and there's descriptions and there's a lot of a lot of information on the internet about this, but they say that they feed off that electrical energy and they feed off of fear or they fear. And then there's the other theory that, you know, they're from the void or they're interdimensional. All of that aside, so many people, we're all seeing these shadows. So they're connected to something energetically. I agree. I think, I don't believe that shadow people are ghosts. I don't think they're human. I don't know if they are tulpas, like manifestations of our of our fear energy, or if they are interdimensional. I don't know what they are. I've only seen them a few times in my life, and it's always times in my life where I am so stressed out. You know when you get on that hamster wheel of life where you're just going through the, the days trying to just get through each day because there's so much going on in your life? That's when I tend to see a shadow person poke around the the corner. It's always like when I'm sitting in bed, this is like when I'm really stressed out, I'll sit in bed at night and I'll write my to-do list. So like, so I calm down, like, okay, I can't get this all done tomorrow. And when I'm in that period of my life, I'll usually see one like poke around the the doorway of my bedroom. And it's usually about four feet uh, up. It's not like, like a person. And for some reason, I just never get the sense that it's a, that it's a ghost or a human. I almost feel like it's it's my shadow. I almost feel like it's a manifestation of, of my stress and my energy. But that's me because I've read other shadow people's stories, and they're really scary and looming, and and they do take the shape of a person. So I I think it's I think it's hard to nail down exactly what that phenomenon is. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't scary. It's just really quick. And mm -hmm. at my, the, the job that I, I left, I was seeing them a lot. And it was a very, there were a lot of people, a high concentration. There was a toxicity in the building, but I was seeing them a lot. And I had a student in my program who never came right out and said, you know, I, I see this too. But one one day, I don't even remember why, but he said, I keep seeing things in here out of the corner of my eye. I better go to the nurse and get my eyes checked. And he was kind of a hypochondriac. And I just said, yeah, it's just because it goes by really quick, like a shadow. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. There was so much energy in that building. And I think wow. it was 
the toxicity of so much. There was a volatility emotionally in that building. We'll just leave it at that. And I'm wondering if that draws that energy in. Or if that creates that energy. Right. You, you studied shamanism. When you go to a shaman, part of the thing a shaman does is retrieve parts of your soul, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I've always wondered, what does that mean? Like, where are parts of my soul? Are they just, like, hanging out in the woods? Are they in a, you know, like, what does that mean? And what if, like, negative aspects of our soul are manifesting as these shadow forms? And that confirms that, you know, that whole theory of that interdimensional beings, because the soul retrieval work, you do go to another, and some people would say realm or dimension or, or level or, but it's a different, it, it's similar to going to the upper world, the middle world, the lower world, but it's so hard to explain this without it sounding a little crazy train, but they're actual places. They're different experiences energetically that you cognitively can go to, or you can, um, it's, a, it's a very, to me, I, I like to equate it to a very deep and intense form of meditation, but there's, well, there's a very real feeling to it. Luckily, quantum physics is backing you up so you don't sound crazy. <laughs> Thank you. I love the way you describe that of it can be something you're manifesting through fears or that is feeding, but it, it doesn't have to be something to be horrified of or thinking that, you know, they're coming to get me kind of stuff because that's not what I'm getting at all from this. No, I don't feel that either. When, like when you hug your kids, and you feel your heart swell with love mm-hmm. and they squeeze you back and, and you just have that moment of pure happiness. Don't you almost feel like something is emitted out into the atmosphere of that pure love because it's so palpable? Oh, without a doubt. So can't the opposite be true? That when you're so afraid or fearful or stressed out or how am I going to pay this bill or what am I going to do about this situation or when am I going to get a new job? When I'm in those fearful modes, that's palpable. And I just wonder if that isn't emitting its own form of energy. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't agree. know. I, I do think I've read stories of people who wake up and they see a shadow in their room and they'll say, I know it was a shadow because it was darker than the darkness in my room. And that it's the, the shape of a of a person and they feel terrified. I think mm-hmm. that could be something different yes. than what you and I are describing of these things that you see out of your peripheral vision that are poking around corners. Right. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Entirely. So whenever whenever I see those little things poking around the corners, I just remember what Carl Young has taught me. And I think, okay, that's your shadow, Samantha, and you need to give your shadow attention. Just Mm -hmm. like your loving self needs attention and validation, your fearful self needs attention and validation. So rather than pushing down your fears and worries or stresses, pull them up, invite them in, have a cup of tea with them, and say, (laughs) what are you worried about? And when, when I do that, it tends to go away. But I don't want anyone to hear this and, and, and think, oh, that's all it is. I think that's just one aspect of the shadow phenomenon. I do think yes. there's another that's much scarier and darker and it does need to be addressed in a more spiritual, paranormal way. Yes, I 100% agree with you. Well, I love to hear that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, I just wanted to say, if if you do have a ghost in your house, and I'm and I'm telling you, oh, they're taking your energy. 
some of you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of ways that ghosts can take your energy. If they're a benign ghost, it can be really simple things. Oftentimes, especially for empaths, because we're so open and compassionate, there are three main chakras that they like to hook onto. I call them hitchhiker ghosts. And they can hook onto your solar plexus chakra, which is in your stomach, your throat chakra, which is in your throat, or your third eye chakra, which is in your head. And so sometimes if you have a lot of stomach aches or cramps or issues or sore throats or headaches, and please don't get me wrong, if you have a sore throat, go to the doctor, they'll tell you if it's a virus or a cold. If you have a stomach ache, go to the doctor. You know, like I'm not saying like It's not medical advice, right. Definitely not medical advice. I'm not saying if you have a migraine, it means you have a ghost. I'm talking about where you're feeling great, you wake up, you feel great, you go to work, you have a great day at work, you come home, all of a sudden you have a headache out of nowhere. You leave the house to run to the grocery store, the headache is gone. You come Mm -hmm. home from the grocery store, you get in the house, the headache is back. I'm talking about those weird little issues that we feel in our body that aren't connected to a medical source. That can be a sign that there's a hitchhiker ghost in your home or around you, and they can latch on. Uh, Sometimes I did a crossing over whatever for for a person who was uh, seeing a ghost in his house constantly. Nobody else was seeing this ghost except him. And when I went over to look into it, I saw and I pressed the point on his back. I I could see, not physically, just in my mind's eye, I could see that she had latched on to the back of his solar plexus. And when I pointed, he he went out and his wife said, oh my God, that's where your back pain has been for six months. Wow. And so when I crossed her over, the wife called me like a week later and said, his back pain is gone. Mm -hmm. Again, go to your doctor if you have back pain. But I'm just saying, if it's one of those random things that kind of comes out of nowhere, it's something to think about in addition to medical advice. A lot of times with kids, especially, they'll they'll experience an energy draw, a ghost drawing on their energy through tummy aches and and sore throats, whereas adults tend to usually experience it more through headaches and back aches. But it, it varies. In addition, if you have a malignant ghost, they, ghosts can get into our dreams the same way our loved ones in heaven can to bring a message of, I'm okay, I'm here. Ghosts can get into your dreams if they're malignant and kind of mess with you. They can put thoughts and ideas into your head telepathically. And so what malignant ghosts will often do to get a rush of energy is they'll, they'll either come into your dreams, you might have some nightmares, you might have... For example, I I had a couple who had a ghost in their house, and when I looked into it, then they told me more. They were both having dreams that the partner was cheating on them, Hmm. and neither partner was cheating, but it just heightened suspicion and trust issues, and there was a lot of fighting going on. And so often if you, if you feel that there's a lot of fighting going on in the home, that's kind of out of nowhere. Like, gosh, we never used to be like this. Sometimes that can be a sign. It's just 
I don't want anyone to take one of these and go, oh, I've got a ghost. It's not right. like that. It's, 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 a, it's a compilation. I mean, look, some couples do great for 10 years and then just suddenly fight out of nowhere and it doesn't mean there's a ghost, you know? But it's just kind of symptoms and signs taken together can show you how they take your energy. One of their favorite things to do, you know, ghosts can't, the average ghost without a lot of energy cannot slam a door or move a book. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to do that. But because metal is a conductor of energy, it's a lot easier for them to manipulate metal. And so oftentimes you'll find that you're leaving for work in the morning and you've misplaced your keys. Well, you know that rush of fear that comes. What if I can't find my keys? I'm going to be late for work. My boss is going to kill me. They can feed off that rush of fear for days. And so sometimes they'll misplace things like that just to kind of trip you up. Now, is that going to ruin your life? No. But if you can get rid of it, wouldn't you want to? That's a very good point. That's, that's a very good point. And, it, and again, it validates feeding off the energy, feeding off of um, tension or anxiety or needing that rush, needing that, that, that hit of energy to keep going. What you like to do as well, if I could just, I forgot to mention one point, they really like to isolate you and keep you at the house because that allows them to feed off your energy. And if they are kind of nasty ghosts, they will choose to show themselves only to one person in the home. Why? Because that creates tension, arguments, doubt, disbelief, and it makes the person who's seeing or feeling or sensing or hearing the ghost feel crazy, and that creates more isolation. And because ghosts are, are stuck to the earth, they're not vibrating high. So think about the high vibratory emotions, love, joy, enthusiasm, all those creativity, all those higher emotions that make us feel so connected to source. And think about low vibration emotions, fear, depression, sadness, loneliness, stress, anger, those, because they're vibrating close to the earth, those are the energies they can most easily feed off of. And so those are the energies they're going to try to create because that's their food. That's their source. Mm-hmm. I was saying to, to um, a friend of mine the other day whose uh, son in college has a, a ghost experience. If I have time, I'll tell about later. And, I was, and she was like, well, you know, I don't understand. Like, why would a ghost do this? And, and I was saying, look, it, it's like if you're a drug addict, your drug dealer isn't going to go, you should really stop doing drugs. It's not good for you. <laughs> it's, you know, because the drug dealer needs the druggie to do drugs because that's their supply. That's their money. It's the same thing with a ghost. A ghost isn't going to ever be like, oh, sure, I'll leave. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This isn't healthy for you. I'll, I'll definitely leave. No, because you're their source. You're their supply. So in order to get a ghost out, you have to be really, really, really firm and stand in your power and set your boundaries and demand and command that they leave. Right. And all the things we've talked about in the past as well, as far as smudging, bells, cleaning, cleansing, clearing, all of those things apply to this as well. And interestingly, there's a woman, and I'll just use her name. Her name is Kathy Cook. She wrote a couple books on hauntings from Wayne, Maine. She's writing a third book now. And she and this other woman who is a psychic medium have traveled around to all these old homes in Maine and documented ghost stories. And they've written a couple books on this. 
And it's just interesting, but she, one of the things that I had done readings at her home before, which is this beautiful, beautiful old place right on a lake, very, lots of energy in there. And she talks about, she said, well, did you feel the vortex at the top of the stairs? And I think that that's another thing I'd like to kind of talk about because the, a lot of folks that feel that they're the ghost or the spirit energy or the chef, they come in through a specific spot or that there's more energy around that spot. And the way mm -hmm. a vortex is usually described, because my, my gut, my initial impression for vortex is I always think of earth energy centers. I think of, you know, Sedona. I think of places where there's an abundance of crystals under the ground. I think of that kind of a thing, not so much as a portal for energies to come in, but they say it's like a swirling funnel shape or it can appear long and narrow and like having a tread like design. And a lot of folks feel these are, are kind of a vehicle so that energies can come back and forth or, or a passageway for energies to come back and forth. So do you have any input on that, on vortexes and portals? Yes, I don't understand what creates them, but I do know that you can feel them, whether you are psychic or not. It's a cold spot. Mm -hmm. And you can you can feel it. I, I went to a home that was experiencing some activity and I didn't know a lot. I was very new. I was just beginning on this path. I didn't know a lot about what to do. And there was a, a paranormal team there. And the woman, one of the women who's a really great rescue medium, she said, Samantha, just run your hand along this wall. And so I did. And I felt the cold spot. It was like one place on the wall was warm. But this one rectangle, about three feet above the baseboard, and it was, you know, a pretty big spot, was really, really cold. And that's exactly where the baby crib had been in this home. Wow. And so the rescue medium on the paranormal team closed up the portal. So I do Had think the baby that there's passed? No, no, the... Um, the, the family was experiencing a lot of activity. The baby was not sleeping through the night at all. And uh -huh. they, had, they had moved into the home when the child was three months old and the little boy was about three years old. And the first three months of the baby's life, she slept great, you know, like a, like a, like a good little baby. Like every three hours she'd sleep, you know, she'd wake up, but she would, uh -huh. she would go to bed easily and stay asleep. And the minute they moved into this house, she suddenly turned into this colicky baby. And the three-year-old little uh, brother kept seeing dark things like shadows. And he called them dark clouds with red eyes. Mm -hmm. And so they called this paranormal team in to help. And it was just interesting. When I had got, they had already moved the crib out of the room. They switched the room totally. It was an empty room. So I didn't even know that that's where the baby's crib had been. But I just wonder, is it the pure energy of a child that can create? I don't know. Well, that makes perfect sense, though, because they would yeah. emanate such a pure light because they haven't learned that you're not supposed to or that you're supposed to dim your light or you're supposed to shut it down. So that would be a very right. natural place. And I'm, I was just thinking of, of another home I went to where a, a small boy has been having issues and she he said they come out of the closet they they the monsters come out of the closet at night when you leave and that would make sense as well because you know by vibrant happy fun loving little boy 
and about three, same difference. So it still hasn't shut it off and very sensitive. And that's the house I mentioned before where I was halfway up the stairs and I said, ooh, it feels different here. And she said, that's exactly, the mother said, that's exactly where I feel it. it and you could almost feel the air change. So that's yes, interesting. that's the point, yeah. I want to say something about smudging and, and ringing bells and incense and all of that like you mentioned, because I think this is important. I look at ghosts the same way I look at intruders, like someone breaking into your home. Mm-hmm. And I really think everyone else should too. When you sage or ring a bell or burn incense or grid your house with crystals, in my opinion, that's like preparing your house to not be broken into. That's like locking your doors, getting an alarm system, um, having mace in your home or whatever it is you do to protect yourself. Staging and ringing bell, that's not going to clear out a ghost that's already there. It's going to clear out like if you have an argument with somebody, if someone nasty that just you don't really like comes into your home to sell you something, if you just wake up in a funky mood, staging can clear that energy. But a ghost needs to be cleared with the power of your energy. And I'm really tired of these spiritual paranormal books saying, call a priest, call a pastor, call a paranormal team. I guess I think all of that can help. And I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm so tired of people being told to give their power away. It's your home. Your energy. You have the right to say who comes and goes from your home, whether they are a human or interdimensional, whether they are living or dead. It is your home. Your name is on the mortgage. Your name is on the And I just want to jump in and say, I do think you can ask for help from people who have passed, from your, your spirit guides, from the team on the other side to escort them out. I really do believe 100%. that. 100%. And I think you can feel it when they come too. I really, really right. do. Did I tell my Archangel Michael story on this show? I'm not sure if you did. Okay, well, I'm sorry if I'm Let's repeating hear it. it. <laughs> when um, my next door neighbor had a, a ghost issue that was really severe, and I went over and tried to help. Um, a paranormal team came in. A, another wonderful medium in town came in. We did everything we could to clear that energy. I knew we had cleared it for the day. You know what I mean? But I knew it was, it was strong and it was going to be coming back. And I knew it was connected to the mom of that home. She was grieving a very, very difficult loss in her own life. And that often leaves you open. And I knew until she healed from that grief, this negative thing might keep trying to come in. Because the negative ones are like lions. They're like predator. You know, they, they look for mm-hmm. easy prey. I'm not saying she was easy prey. I'm just saying because she was grieving, she was, you know, weaker, her light, than, than normal. So I'm happy to report they have worked through it and they got that thing gone, but it took a long time. So when I came home from that first time, I knew I had, some of that had come home with me. I could feel it. My kids were very little at the time. They were fighting. They were arguing. There was just um, one of them threw up out of nowhere. I had a headache. Like I could just feel it. Mm-hmm. And I staged and all of that and nothing happened. So I uh, put the kids to bed and I'm sitting in bed and, uh, you know, my husband at the time is just on his phone setting his alarm. I'm in bed putting on my little face creams and, and I just was like, son of a bitch, I'm not allowing this to stay in my home. 
And so I grabbed my rosary beads and I just called on Archangel Michael and I asked him to please come in and, and take whatever was in my home and escort it out. And, you know, my husband, he had no idea what I was doing. I'm sitting next to him on the bed and I'm just holding my beads. He's probably just thinking I'm praying again. All of a sudden, we hear this crash in the kitchen. And we both, like, jump up. It's, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. So there's nobody up. There's nobody in, around my house. The, you know, the dogs are sleeping on the bed with their, like, Velcro. They're always with me. They're on the bed with me. Nobody had that in the kitchen. We go into the kitchen, and I have a built-in desk, and there's bookshelves above it. Now, at that point, I've lived in my house for 15 years. It's solidly built house. Those bookshelves had never been touched or moved. They hold my recipe books. That's it. Every single shelf in that built-in bookshelf was on the floor, and wow. every single recipe book was on the, the, the tile of my kitchen. And... I had this image of Archangel. It just, it like was like a movie playing in my mind's eye. I just saw Archangel Michael take this thing by the neck and slam it against my bookshelves mm -hmm. and then throw it out the back door. Wow. I, what are the odds that not even five minutes after I prayed that he would escort this thing out of my house, mm -hmm. that four bookshelves at the same time would come out of their little you know, nail pocket right. things and crash to the floor. That's very cool. Your belief in knowing Archangel Michael would come in and help you. Like on a, on a soul level, you knew. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I'm sure Archangel Michael's up in heaven going, if that bitch Samantha does not give me a break, I'm telling you, I'm going to need reinforcement. <laughs> I call on him all the time. If I go to the grocery store at 9 p.m., I can only go follow me to my car. Mm -hmm. I, I call on him all the time. But he's he or one of his, um, like I said, I'm sure he has substitutes by now. Uh, but somebody always comes to help. And, and that was such palpable evidence that he was there to help. So, yes, I agree. Call on whoever resonates for you. You know, I'm Christian, so I'm going to come from a Christian point of view. But right. if you're Muslim or Jewish or Tibetan or Buddhist or Hindu, whatever your religion is, or if you don't have a religion, that's fine too. Call on your right. higher self. She or he is the biggest badass you'll ever meet. Your higher self is, knows all and is very, very powerful. You just want to call on helpers, whatever that means for you, that are from the light. But don't rely on them to do it. You know, like no, it's you, a team you've effort. got a call on it. It's very, very so much a team effort. Yes. Yes. And I always say, you can't say, you know, Sarah, I know this was your home for years and you loved it here. And I definitely appreciate that. And we thank <laughs> you for looking out for us, but it's time for you to go. Okay. It's time for you to go. Yeah. That's not going to work. Again, imagine someone breaking into your house. Are you going to turn to that intruder and say, it's time for you to go. I'm going to have to call the police if you don't leave in the next 15 minutes. You know, no, that's not going to work. You have to be very powerful, very strong. And instead of calling the cops, you call on Archangel Michael, your family on the other side, your angels and guides, whomever resonates for you. But that's how forceful you have to be. You have to treat it like an intruder.
Okay, so that that makes sense as far as you know, you're you're sensing, you're feeling, you're having these physical things. I think another part that I've heard from a lot of folks lately is hearing sounds, hearing voices, being called their name. You know that disembodied voice thing that, and that there's what is it EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, where they can catch snippets of voices that people are hearing, and that can be as unsettling as the other things at all because it'll be quiet in the house and you'll hear someone call your name or you'll hear a sound or you'll hear a voice that isn't isn't there. And I think I know that when the, the teams go in, they have all these gadgets and devices that they can measure frequencies and they can, oh, this is, I'm jumping in another direction again. You know how, and we've talked about this, that if you're at um, a, a service, a, a ceremony, a celebration of life, and you take a picture of the family and in the background, you see the the shadow or the orb or the essence of the person who passed that the celebration of life is yeah. for you know i wonder if that and when people go into homes and they catch pictures of of ghosts or shadows or whatever you know there's something to that that comparison and i know i'm kind of going oh, off yeah. on a, a tangent with that but it just feels like there's something about capturing with especially with the with all the digital equipment so again though those run on a frequency in a different i guess i'm kind of going around a circle with that but i think that the voices and picking up things on devices is another whole thing that's become very very popular and i think there is actual equipment that does that that you can yeah. and and i have i have pictures that have orbs or have caught shadows or or seen and i've been at Celebration of Light, and I've seen the person just as a medium. I've seen them in the lineup of the picture, but that's different than I think a lot of folks are putting the little apps on the phones and stuff, and that makes me a little nervous. Are you calling stuff in when you're convincing yourself that this this downloadable free app is is picking up on a spirit? I'm really glad you mentioned that. I I downloaded one of those ghost radar apps years ago. And shortly after, I had some funky stuff in my house that I had to clear out. So right. I do think that you're kind of opening up the door when you do that. When I was working with that paranormal team with my neighbor's house, the, the team members told the mom, anytime you sense something or feel a cold energy, take, take pictures all around you. Just turn around 360 degrees and take pictures. And she did get quite a bit of evidence of some shadow stuff. But once you've documented it for yourself, because sometimes people need that. Am I crazy? Yes. Am I making this? Yes. Once you've documented it and you've done what you need to do to get it out, this is really important. Do not talk about it. Mm -hmm. You will invite it back in. I, I was... Um, reading some of Lorraine Warren's uh, work, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the, the demonologist. And she would always say that once, once we close a case, we don't discuss it and we tell the homeowners not to discuss it. And that was the first time I heard that. And then I read some other work. I love uh, Relax, It's Only a Ghost by Echo Bodine. That's a really good one. And I love anything by Marianne Winkowski, but especially her book, When Ghosts Speak. And they also agree, once you get the ghost out, do not talk about it because you will invite it back in. It's just that like attracts like energy. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I do not do this work anymore. I do not, I do, I'm not on a paranormal team. I don't 
clear ghost. I don't go into homes. I don't. Because so often the people that are reaching out for help are really fascinated and excited by this. And it's almost like they're 15 minutes in the limelight. I don't know, but they get really excited by it. And then I do all this work to help them cross it over. And then they're telling all their friends, they're writing about it. And then it comes back. I think that's a really vital point is the difference between people who are getting a charge out of, oh, and we have a ghost and we caught this voice and the people who have a little kid who's scared to go to bed at night. I think they're totally different things. We're same energies, but we're talking about two totally different things. It goes back to the, the, all of the, there's a lot of popularity around this kind of stuff right now, which I do think invites more in. But as empaths, as sensitive people, as highly sensitive, as intuitives, as mediums, be aware that if you're around folks, and this is just my own personal aside, if you're around people who really get a charge out of that or who are inviting it in, you may want to set some boundaries or not physically spend so much time with those folks. And, and because it can, it can wear you down. I'm thinking about my brother had a roommate for a while who was really, really into this stuff. And he asked me to come down and help clear some space. And I did. And it was just they, the one lady who was really into this almost seemed disappointed that I was clearing stuff out. Yes, that's what I mean. That's what I kept running into. And that's and totally that's different. Totally different. The paranormal team that I worked with was wonderful. And the couple that ran it were both anesthesiologist nurses. So they approached it from an analytical research point of view. Let's research this phenomenon. Let's see what that is. That's a good way to go into this stuff. But if you're going into this as, oh my God, this is so cool. Look what I look at this orb I caught on film. Let's let's right. go to that haunted prison. Let's go to that haunted asylum. That energy is going to attract a lot of stuff. And that's the energy all empaths should avoid. If you know someone who's like, you know, I'm really open. I don't know what this is. It could be interdimensional, it could be ghost, it could be manifestations of our subconscious, but we need to research this. I think that's a healthy, protected boundary way of going into it. I also wanted to say, we talked a lot about parents of children, but I'd like to speak to parents of teenagers, because that mm -hmm. son in college, I was talking about the, the person who called me about their son in college, you know, we're heading into Halloween season, and so some of his roommates uh, did a Ouija board seance mm -hmm. and one of the girls who was there has a doll on her bed she's always had this doll her whole life and yeah she brought it to college and we'll let that be what it is as they're doing the seance thing this thing came through and asked them to put the doll in the middle of the Ouija board so it could communicate oh. with them more clearly yeah and this just happened two weeks ago. Wow. And I was talking to these kids and I'm telling them all the stuff I'm saying here. And you could see them nodding and listening, but I could also see that they were so fascinated by this story. And uh -huh. it's a good story. I get it. You know, I would have been the same way at 19. Right. But, um, but they were smart. They did not do it. And they closed out the session. But it's still just a warning. And so I think 
you know, we need to talk to our teenagers. Don't do that. You just like beautiful segue before we even started recording today, because I always check my notes and, you know, what are we going to talk? And I was thinking back to being 19, 20, 21, wide open. And some of the choices I made with connecting with energy, because I didn't know, and you're invincible when you're that age, you don't, you cognitively and developmentally often don't have the skills or the the wherewithal. It reminds me of when my older son was getting ready to take the motorcycle trip. And he said, I have to do this before I turn 25 and my prefrontal cortex is completely formed and I have no fun anymore. Because, (laughs) I mean, developmentally, brain chemistry, you you just look at life through a different perspective. But some of the, the things that I never would have worried about protecting myself or energies or anything because you're 19 or 20 years old. And I think that's what you're saying is things have shifted so much over the last several decades that there isn't that buffer zone anymore that used Mm -hmm. to be in place. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that as a a scary woo-woo thing, but do you agree that a lot of folks will oh, well, that's not going to happen to me. I'm just going to do this Ouija board once, or I'm just going to call and summon this spirit, or I'm going to do this spell, or I'm going to... And I just think that you're right. This time of the year, a lot of people may choose to open some doors that they don't fully realize what they're opening. Well, as, as a Catholic, I thought I was protected because I got the Eucharist every Sunday. I really did. And I do believe that that, you know, cleanses your soul for that week and, and whatnot. That's my personal belief. I don't think it's the only way to, you know, cleanse your energy. You want to make that clear. But for me, that is a way. But when I was, you know, 19 or 20, I thought, oh, I'm good. I got Jesus on my side. I got the Eucharist. I'm all good. <laughs> I really didn't think anything could happen to me. I thought that, and I don't mean that, um, and then I, I don't mean I thought I could, you no. know, uh, walk down a main street at 3 a.m. alone. I don't mean that way. I mean, spiritually, I thought I was protected. And that's not, that's not the case because of free will. Yes, you can call on your higher power, whatever you believe in, to protect on to, to protect you. It's like, you know, again, I often compare this to the parent-child relationship. I will always be there for my children, no matter what. But if if my kid is in college and she's had too much to drink at a party and needs a ride home. How am I going to know unless she calls me? Right. And I think it's the same with these higher beings. They got lots going on too. And so they don't know until you call on them. Well, actually, I do think they know, but they have to follow that law of free will and you have to ask for that help. They can't intervene. The only time our guardian angels can intervene without us asking is if something happens to us that is not in our plan. I get that question a lot. I know we're not talking about angels, but I just want to make this point. Sometimes people will say to me, I read all these stories about how these angels intervened and that person didn't have a car accident. Why did I have a car accident? Where was my angel? Mm -hmm. And I understand that, but I will say, we don't understand our plan. There, you know, everything that happens to us, there's a reason and we can't, we aren't allowed to understand it until we cross over and do our life review with our team. But sometimes life is life and life is risky and tricky. And so sometimes you might be driving down the road 
and, you know, some drunk drivers headed for you. And that's not a part of your life plan. That's where we get the guardian angel has permission from God to intervene and stop that because it's not part of our plan. But that's the only time angels can intervene without us asking. I think that's valid information. Very much so. Well, I wanted to talk to you. Um, do we have a little bit more time to just mention poltergeist? So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, poltergeist are a very different phenomenon than ghost and shadow people. Poltergeist, it's the German word for noisy ghost. And I don't think researchers really agree on what it is. I think people have researched it for a long time. And there's this uh, differing opinions on what it is. I find it fascinating. If you research poltergeist case, as I have cases, you will find that in 99% of them, there is an angry teenager in the home. Wow. Yeah. And if you've lived with teenagers, <laughs> you know, they put out a lot of energy. Most of the poltergeist cases will have a, a, a teenager. Often the teenager is a female who has just started menstruating and researchers don't understand what that connection is. Hmm. But isn't that, so I don't know if there, there's thoughts that, you know, is it that hormonal angst, that feeling of, I mean, I'm sure we all remember what it's like to be a teenager. It's a Charles Dickens novel. It's the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> you know, you're all over the place with your emotions. And if you study like the Enfield or the kinetic, like the, the really famous poltergeist cases, most of them live in homes where nothing is talked about. You know, those homes, do you remember that scene in American Beauty where they're eating dinner and it's so, so silent, all you can hear is the spoon hitting the plate? Mm-hmm. And they're all sitting around the table and that's all you hear. I just, that's so symbolic of some of these homes in my opinion. You know, where everything was perfect on Facebook. We all get along. We don't talk about anything. They tend to appear in those types of homes. That's interesting. And so there's a, there's a thought that is it that repressed emotion, you know, where a teenager wants to say, I hate you. No, I love you. You know, that's a teenager needs to express that. I remember when I was growing up, my sister said to me one time, I kind of like it when we have fights with mom because I get to say stuff I've always wanted to say to her. <laughs> and don't you understand that? Like, I, I was yes. like, yes, I, there's like a release. It's almost cathartic. So I'm not saying all of you who live in homes where you scream and yell at each other aren't going to get vulnerable. No, 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 no. But, but if you look at the studies of the cases, it's usually those homes where there's just not a lot of talking about what's going on there's that elephant in the room and so the activity seems to focus on the teenager in the home and I think it's because the teenager is the one feeling the most and confused the most about the feelings and is needing to express it the most and maybe it's that like think about compression you know like when something is trapped and you're trying to keep it trapped and then it just breaks loose I think though you know what that triggered thought is you know, all of the ancient lore, all of the, if you go back, um, I think for the Irish, it's the, it's the whale of the banshee. If there's, but all of the ancient lore has beings or energies or spirits or something from the other world that would come through. And you have to wonder if this is 
a little piece of that or a little like an ancestor of those original energies. I know that mm-hmm. sounds silly, but not really. If you think about how we've can, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit that if, if time is a man-made constraint, which I, I truly believe, I know you believe that as well. We have, we've developed time on this planet, this energy level. So why couldn't we be tapping into some of those ancient type of things? that have always been a part and carried down generation after generation after generation. I mean, it would be interesting to see if anyone's written anything on that or done any research to do a comparison between the, you know, similarities that have happened over generations or millennial with that. Well, here's how I look at poltergeist. Okay. For example, here's a trivia question for you, Denise. Mm -hmm. Do you know what is considered to be one of the most haunted places in America? I do not. Walt Disney World. Really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Now, is that because so many people have died at Disney? No. Is that because there's been so much tragedy? No. It's because there's so much energy. Ghosts are drawn right. back. They can feed off that energy. So, with Poltergeist, I wonder if there's like, a, if, if you're an Earthbound, you're going to meet other earthbounds, right? Hey, how you doing? You're kind of cute. Want to hang out? I don't know how to but <laughs> you're going to meet other earthbounds. And they know they have to feed off human energy, living people energy, right? So just like gangs. I just want, I, I always think of poltergeist as little gangs. Mm-hmm. And if you, when you're in the astral plane, you can see energy. So I have been told. So imagine that you could see the energy around every home. I pray to God that my energy around my home looks like a perfect circle of just pink and white and gold light because I'm always putting those colors around my home to seal it in this sphere of protection. But I'm sure sometimes the energy around my home looks like, you know, pig pen. I don't know <laughs> from Charlie Brown. <laughs> But imagine if you're this gang of earthbounds and you're just trying to feed off someone's energy and you're going through a neighborhood and one home in particular is emitting this repressed toxic negative energy. You might be like, hey, we can feed off of here for a while. Because if you look, poltergeist energy, it, those homes aren't haunted forever. And it's not, um, it's not like, you know, in, for example, the, the, the Connecticut one that's really, really well documented. It's not like the people that moved in after that family, they have experienced no activity. It was just focused on that family. So I feel like it's, and I'm not trying to, you know, victim blame families for having negative energy. I'm just saying, I think it's an attraction and I think they feed off of it until it gets too much. And then the family calls in a team and they learn how to protect themselves and they learn how to ground and shield and get the stuff out. And then the little roving gang of, of uh, earthbound moves on to the next house. I want to go back to Disney for a minute. I'm, I'm intrigued okay. by that because the, all of the, the, the push was always oh, the happiest place on earth and people go there with an altered perspective. Like for some, they bring their kids there. It's happy, but equally it's a draining experience to go to, to Disney. I mean, the long lines, the crowds, the people, the the transport. I mean, it it's not always so uplifting, but it's people go there to get away from reality. Right. So, so you have well, to wonder I, if that's wonder, a draw as well. 
and I wonder if there's repressed energy there. Right. You know, like when we're, when we were, we've been there three times and the first time everything was great. The second time the lines were so long and my kids started to complain in one line. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, this trip is costing me so much money. And we are at flipping Disney World, and you're complaining. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. Perfect, like mask and a smile. I know, girls. It won't be much longer. Look, there's Cinderella. You know, but inside, I'm thinking, man, you guys better love this. You know, because this is our vacation. <laughs> so that would make sense why it would draw in a haunting, you know, haunting experiences. It's Just, funny because when we went there the first time, you know, we did it. We we were at that park till midnight, and so we stayed for the parade every night. And I don't know if it was just that it was nighttime and flashes are what flashes are, but I posted it on our psychic teachers Facebook page years ago because I caught so many orbs mm-hmm. that it it freaked all of us out. I mean, you know, my husband at the time was a police officer, so he's super just the facts, ma'am. Show me the evidence. And he was the first one to point out the orbs. And you could see dimension in the orbs. It wasn't light. Okay. And that's but, when I started researching it. But you're also, that's families go to Disney. Couples go to Disney. It's, so why wouldn't the, the dead relatives go too? All, their whole family mm-hmm. is there. They're laughing. They're going on rides. They're bitching and complaining. But they're all together. So I wonder if that's some of the orbs you're catching too. Oh, like our like our happy, positive energy of our loved ones in heaven. I bet you're yes. absolutely right. Yeah, it's a great I point. I mean, they show up at holidays. They show up at birthdays. They show up where the family gets together. So that- That's so true. I mean, imagine like when your kids get married and have kids, and, and let's say years later when you're 105 and you pass away, <laughs> and they're at Disney. You'd, I could, yeah, you would totally go. I know I would. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, and that's a good thing to end on too, Denise, is the positives of all of this. Because we're talking about all this negative, scary stuff. But there is such a difference because our loved ones in heaven do visit us all the time. And you will know the difference because as an empath, you have learned to trust and honor your emotions. And when there's a ghost or a negative nasty in your home, You'll know because you'll feel it and you'll feel anxious and afraid. You'll feel like you're being watched. You'll feel those cold spots. You'll see the symptoms we've talked about throughout this show. But when it's a loved one in heaven, you'll know because there won't be fear. There'll be a sense of calmness. There'll be a sense of, there might be a sense of being watched, but it's a nice sense of being watched. It's not a creepy stalker feeling. It's a, oh, grandma's here to check in on me. And that's why it's important for the empath to trust his or her emotions and feelings. Your feelings will never lead you astray. Exactly. That's a beautiful way to end this. Yes. Should we recommend some stuff? Um, I wanted to mention those books I threw out before because I really think they're great reads. Um, One is Relax, It's Only a Ghost by Echo Bodine. And the other one is um, When Ghosts Speak by Marianne Winkowski. And if you guys haven't heard of Marianne Winkowski, I highly encourage you to check her out. She is so ethical and so amazing. 
And if you don't want to take my word for it, just go to iTunes where you download our podcast anyway. And in the search engine, type in Marian Winkowski and download some of the interviews she has done on other podcasts and listen to what she says when people call in and ask her questions. It's so cool how accurate she is. I just really admire and respect her. Um, and then Denise had mentioned shadowpeople.com. Uh, you had also mentioned to me AtlanticParanormalSociety.com. Yes. What what does that website have? That has all kinds of terms and definitions and different links to if you if you're interested in more practical information about you you want to do some more research or you have some questions about certain terms or you want validation of you know what's a benign spirit versus a cold spot versus a collective apparition it lists them in almost a, a well it gives the definitions so it's a very usable site okay there's also um on my other podcast psychic teachers we're going to have heidi hollis on the show in a, about a week or two i'm not sure if it's airing next Sunday or the Sunday after. And if you go to HeidiHollis.com, you can check her out. She has written books on Shadow Man, Hat Man, Grinning Man, Night Work, all sorts of really cool stuff. Um, so I think she is a great source for this type of work. And I just want to say in closing, as an empath, the way to protect yourself from this, this stuff that we're talking about is to set your boundaries, stand in your power, trust yourself. In addition to that, please always remember, ground yourself every morning, ground yourself every evening, pray into your day, pray out of your day, call on your higher people, whoever that is for you, your higher guides and angels to always watch over and protect you. Give them permission to always watch out for you, watch over your home, watch over your children. Every night when I go to bed, I ask God to send four angels to stand guard at the four corners of my home and watch over us. And the first time I got a reading with Denise, who is so spot on and amazing, I can't <laughs> recommend her enough. The first thing she said to me was, you have so much protection around you. I keep seeing four angels at the four corners of your home. I mean, how would she know that? And so you'll get confirmation that your prayers are being answered in neat ways like that as well. Wear a crystal for protection every day if crystals resonate for you. I never leave my house without a crystal on my person. Do your chakra work at least once a week. Do a chakra cleansing. Just listen to a guided meditation. I have one on my website, but there's lots on YouTube. There's tons out there. Make up your own. As long as you visualize your chakras being cleansed and balanced and staying healthy and whole, You'll do so much to get your energetic, empathic energy into wholeness. If you can, once a week, take a salt bath where you just pour a cup of Epsom salts, half cup of sea salt, into a running bath of water and soak for at least 20 minutes. It scrubs your aura clean. What else am I forgetting? Oh, you've covered it. Well, there's one more. I, and I, I, covered would, it? I think you covered it. And equally, a really easy thing to do is... If you're feeling dense and heavy, turn on the music, dance, sing, get your vibration up because that's going to counteract that negativity as well. I really believe that. I agree too. Yeah. Listen to positive music, watch happy movies, um, read uplifting spiritual books. I love 
I love to just read happy books like miracles stories, angel stories, stories of spirit guides. Um, if you go to my website, samanthafay.com, and you click in the upper right-hand corner under resources, I have a, a bunch of books that I always recommend. I really like Ted Andrews. I like anything he teaches, but he has a really good book on psychic protection techniques. He's got a really weird meditation you can buy on CD. You cannot buy it on an MP3. So Denise, this is how much I like Ted Andrews. I ordered the CD for, he's now deceased, but his website is still around. I ordered his CD from his website and then I had to go to Walmart and buy some CD burner to put on my computer to download it to my phone to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) And it's an odd little meditation. He's got kind of a strange voice, but it definitely works. So there's so many things you can do out there to keep your energy protected, cleansed, cleared, and ready to go. But Denise is right. The best thing you can do is keep your vibrations high and just remember that you have so much power and light within you to ward off all this negative stuff. The end. Yes, very well put. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this show. And please stay tuned because we have some really exciting guests coming up for you in the next couple of months. We will be back next week. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, Enlightened Empaths, all one word. If you have a question or a story you'd like to share for our next Community Connection show, you can email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook. In the meantime, don't forget to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.